This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and I'm joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. A little aggressive on the you this week, I thought. Well, I, I've been playing around with different inflections mm-hmm. on different words. So, I thought you was probably making it a bit more about, um, about the listener out there mm. um, and less about the handle, which I've done <laughs> in the past, or, <laughs> or really emphasising the word and... Um, <laughs> I feel like that was that was not really going, not really delivering the impact I was after. Uh, you doing good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I had a big weekend. That's so good. I'm a bit, uh, Did you? Yeah. Oh. Well, like I organised a festival. So. Um, oh right, yeah. e- economics festival. Yeah, there's a lot of economics actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what would be? Well, we're about to have an economics festival of sorts, aren't we? We've got uh, the, the budget, budget coming up. So mm-hmm. we're recording this on uh, Monday night, the 10th of May. With the budget to be released, the federal budget to be released tomorrow, Tuesday, the 11th of May. So, but by the time you hear this, it'll be Wednesday, the 12th of May, if you're listening to it as soon as it comes out, and we appreciate that if you are. So, any predictions that we make tonight around the budget um, may not be true. And you, if you hear it on Wednesday and you go, these guys are idiots, they don't, they're talking like they haven't even read the budget, then that's because we haven't had the opportunity yet. But I, for one, Thomas, will be snapping it up as soon as I can get my hands on it. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if you've seen it. But they, the government does have, if you go to, and you won't be able to see it, unfortunately, now, but they, they have budget.gov.au, the homepage. They have the world's least impressive countdown timer <laughs> to the budget. It's like, like they've really gone, you know what, we need to just go full economist on this countdown timer. <laughs> it's black text on a grey background. Yeah. There's no images <laughs> at all. They're just going, it's it's literally 23 hours till the budget. It's pretty budget website. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very budget countdown timer. Um, big show coming up. We do want to just quickly talk about the budget, although I don't want to talk about it for too long. I haven't been paying any attention. Um, we're going to talk about the budget. We're going to talk about um, – we're going to actually try a, a bit of a different format this week because there is so much going on and we figured rather than kind of, dare I say, laboring, Thomas, through a lot of your economic mumbo-jumbo for a whole episode about and, and only realising at the very end that we only covered off one topic, I thought we'd try and get through a few different – few different things this week so mm. we've got the budget um we're going to talk about the bank of mum and dad mm. which is um one of the biggest banks in the country would you believe mm. 
We've got some inflation data that came out as well as some US employment data that was um, a big miss from what I understand. Um, as well as a bit later on, we're going to talk about a pipeline in the US which has been shut down, the gasoline pipeline, fuel pipeline, um, been shut down by a ransomware attack. Um, and so that's going to create a bit of a supply shortage. But before we get to all that, it's the grand final of economics. <laughs> it's the big show. It's the budget. Are you excited about the budget, first and foremost? Ah, uh, look, I'm a bit of a veteran now. It's like, you know, your first first couple of budgets, you get the nerves, the jitters, sweaty palms, <laughs> but I'm just old hat now for me. Yeah. Just take it as it comes. One spreadsheet at yeah. a time. <laughs> I wonder if we can get into the budget lockup next year. The budget lockup. I've read about the budget lockup. Mm. That's horrific. Yeah. <laughs> That does sound punishing, doesn't it? <laughs> For those that don't know, the budget lockup is when all the journalists, they get locked in a room for several hours so they can read the budget. Mm, just mm. like, is that, so that's obviously before it's released to the general public. They, they give it first to the journos in the budget lockup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very, it's a very staged media event and the timing is particular like it's like the treasurer makes the speech at 7 30 on a tuesday night so it's mm. it's after the news cycle like it's right on the news cycle so he's sort of releasing it there so there's not not really much scope to sort of say too much about it at the time and so the government right. really controls the message on the first day so the first day is they really lock down the message is all about their spin on it and what they want to do and then you have people going through it and then that starts to come through on the wednesday and the the opposition gets a budget reply um but by that stage it's kind of all old news and and the headlines have already mm. been written and so the government has control of the message in that first day and so that's really what it's about and it's why so it's not just journalists that go into the lockup, but anyone who wants to comment on it. So you also get, say, the unions or the, the various think tanks, so, that, so they can go through it and come up with their angles. They get to, so they get to come up with their their media grabs. So the unions might, you know, have their say, like, oh, we're we're disappointed <laughs> that there was only this much for such and such or whatever. Or the green groups might say, we you know, disappointed we didn't see this. So they, they all get mm. their grabs. So they're, they're in the lockup finding what's, what's our angle here, coming up with their talking points to try and get into the media cycle as well. Sounds like the worst group study session of all time. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> I can't think of anything worse than being locked up with the budget. It's like the Hunger Games. Without the bow and arrows. If you survive the budget lockup, you get to report on the budget at the end. But instead of weapons, it's just calculators and pens. And while this is going on, the government also has a lot of... <laughs> People are outside enjoying themselves yeah. and having a good time. Smoking cigars. Mm. Yeah. Um, the government, if, if they've got a lot of good news in the budget, if it's a good news budget, then they're leaking that in the weeks right leading up to it because they want each good news item to have its own its own run in the media cycle so you, you're getting a lot of the juice coming out yeah of course yeah yeah like and we've seen that already there's been a lot of leaks around infrastructure spending around support for first home buyers stuff like that it's already well known though so none of that's going to be a surprise mm. it's like when it's like when uh, like footy players and sports stars they they announce they're having a press conference later mm. on to announce their <laughs> retirement and you think you've just you've just told us you, 
you've literally sucked all of the the impetus out of the press conference where you were going to announce your retirement by sending out the message to gather the media because you're going to announce your retirement. It's just that the media just arrives to just get mm, footage mm, of mm. people crying, like thanking mm. their families and stuff, which, you know, <laughs> you don't even get that in the budget. <laughs> no. Well, maybe maybe Josh Frydenberg's going to resign, retire. Maybe his farewell budget. You got, have, you got, have you got some inside scoop? Farewell budget. Oh, do you reckon Wayne Swan's last budget was his swan song? Oh, that's terrible. Are oh, you on another one? This is an economics joke for you. What's the um, the heaviest document in politics? I don't know. The federal statement of accounts because you can't budget. Oh my god, that's terrible. Ah, that's, that's Bitcoin gold. <laughs> Bitcoin gold. Oh no, that's not what is it? Comedy Bitcoin. Comedy that's Bitcoin. Right. <laughs> that's funny. That's... I'll give that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right. Okay. Well, yeah. So with that, we won't go into it too much. The budget's out tomorrow um, or yesterday, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Um, hopefully, it's delivered you everything you could have dreamed for in the budget. Um, Thomas and a bunch of other. Are you having a budget party? That's a thing. People have budget parties. Yeah. No, they don't. Do they? Of course they do. Have, no. Oh yeah. You can probably. You can probably. You know. You know that feature on. On like uh, Facebook, <laughs> this is going to show my age, but you know that feature on Facebook where you can watch with a friend? Oh, yeah, right. Make no sense to me, that feature at all. I don't... It came up on my TV <laughs> no, yeah. the other day, I could watch something with a friend. I thought, who am I going to watch it? Why would you? But maybe you can watch the budget with a friend online through a social platform. Maybe that's what we should do. Do a comedian versus economist live room or something around just on budget night watching the numbers come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or we could stick pins in our eyes. <laughs> Either way, I'm easy. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Well, um, so obviously house prices are going gangbusters still, albeit I did read there was some cooling off. Well, the pace of ex- the pace of growth is 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 slowing, mm. but um, yeah, but I mean it's still still going nuts. It's like we're down. I think it was like 1.8 percent in. April down from two point eight percent in in March, which but yeah, well, one point eight is still some some of the biggest monthly gains on record. That's that's a big number. Yeah, if you looked at one point eight percent in isolation, you would say that's that's healthy. That's oh yeah, that's off the chart still. Yeah, it's thumping. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very it's very strong. So I I read one article the other day that said that analysts are saying that sixty percent of first home buyers, sixty percent, Tom. Mm-hmm are getting financial help from their parents to, to get into the market. Like mm. they're saying that the reason is it's because the market's so hot, it's so hot right now. Um, they're, they're getting the money they need from their parents, which just, just to get in. So the average borrowing is 89637 mm. um, And now there's concerns that the bank of mum and dad is fueling house prices. Is that spot on? Yeah, no, that that's, that's bang on. Yeah, that, I mean, it's definitely a thing. It's... I think now what they're talking about being like the sixth largest lender in Australia. I think it's the ninth. But it's not- well, it wasn't that long ago. I remember the first time that I sort of clocked on the bank of mum and dad or we saw figures on it that it was mm. the fifth largest lender in the country. Really? Yeah. So I think bank of mum and dad's been, you know, hasn't been investing in marketing as much as it as to some of some of its competitors, really <laughs> flying under the radar with their with their products, their, their offerings. Yeah. They seem very specialist towards house prices, um, towards the housing market, I should say. Mm, mm. Um, well, I guess they do smaller loans. Yeah, maybe business loans, maybe. 
You got your university degree through the bank of mum and dad, didn't you? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, per- that was a personal loan. <laughs> How did repayments work out for you? <laughs> yeah, non-tangible, non- non-monetary <laughs> return. <laughs> they get to listen to me do an economics podcast. And they're listening to it thinking, we could well and truly not expect to see any of our money ever again. <laughs> They, well, the regulatory thing's a big thing, though, isn't it? Like, the, you know, they're saying that there's a big, um, in terms of regular, like, obviously, if you, all the lenders are regulated and they're protected and whatever, one of the things the article was saying was talking about how there's absolutely no regulatory oversight. <laughs> <laughs> I think the bank, bank, the bank of mum and, and, and dad is not doing its due diligence. Not, no, exactly. not really it's lending to anyone. <laughs> not really crunching the numbers on the serviceability ability. <laughs> I mean, if you're. <laughs> If you're going to your mum and dad in the first place, that's a red flag right there, right? If you were, <laughs> so if you are the bank of mum and dad, then maybe you should be having a maybe some questions around your your kids as to whether they they can service this loan. Yeah, well, well, no, the banks the banks know this. The banks the banks are interested in where you get your deposit from, and mm. and will know if it's coming from bank of mum and dad. Like, so your your ability to save a deposit speaks volumes to your ability to repay a mortgage in the bank's eyes. Yeah. Yeah, so it put, definitely puts you at a disadvantage if you're borrowing a large sum from the bank of mum and dad. But it's much better than borrowing it on a personal loan or something like that because then it is would have to be seen as a gift, I think. You can't <laughs> you can't borrow a personal you can't take out a personal loan to use as a deposit for a home loan, can you? No, 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 that's But but to say like I'm going to give you 90 grand and you'll pay me back mm. at some point. That yeah. you will pay me back at some point means that you've got a debt to me at paying 0% interest. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a liability that the bank says, okay, you've got, a, you've got this existing liability. So, so that, that factors in. Is that the same as going guarantor? I remember when I was starting to first look at buying a house and I could never get the deposit together when I was initially thinking about there was this concept that mum and dad could go guarantor i remember talking to mum and dad about it. <laughs> like, how would you feel about go guarantor and they were like there's no chance like you you can't demonstrate that you can save anything at all we're not going guarantor is, is it the same thing or is is guarantor a separate sort of deal uh guarantor is a separate sort of deal yeah yeah so it, it sort of means that your parents are on the hook for any shortfall if you default on your loan so it's not the whole loan, you know. So you you borrow at say eighty percent LVR. So you you've got you you've come up with the deposit, and so if you if you default immediately and the go and the bank sells the property, it's going to be in the money because you've got twenty percent in the deal. So it's going to get a hundred percent of the sales price, mm. um, which is going to be more than the eighty percent that they've lent you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. If if for some reason there's a shortfall, then they can and your your parents are a guarantor. I think this is right. That then they can go to the your parents and go, uh, you know, we sold the property and we're still, you know, fifty grand short. So you owe us, mm. you owe us fifty grand. And just hope the back of mum and dad hasn't gone out and bought a convertible in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But I mean, I think yeah. But you you know, bank of mum and dad's probably got assets that they're. They're true. They can sort of, I don't know if you can be forced to liquidate. It could get messy, but it's, it's very unlikely. It's very unlikely that property prices are going to fall more than 20% in a short time frame. Yeah, although they would have said it's unlikely they were going to go up, whatever it was, 8% in the last... That's true. There's, there's no, 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 no guarantees in economics. No guarantors in this game. <laughs> <laughs>
But it's, it's an in, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one because you're talking about sixty percent of the market. Hmm. You know, so it's like it's it's the norm now, and we're talking in large sums of money. Ninety thousand is the average, yeah. which means that there's must be you know people getting hundred, two hundred grand um, to get into the market, and for in a market like Sydney, and you know you got to save you know up to a hundred to two hundred at least to get into anything. Yeah, so then that it, if that becomes the norm, it means that if you don't have parents that you can that can stump up the money for you, you're not able to get a house, or, or you're you got to wait much later in life to get to get into a house. So it becomes a there's a sort of a an equity dimension to this where, yeah, you're you're entrenching inequality that that people who don't have parents with assets and with wealth to be able to to gift to them mm. get into the market much later. That's not a great outcome, I don't think. No. And think of some of the like the baby boomer parents who, you know, they might have to sell one of their six investment properties, <laughs> maybe the beach house. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know? It's, no. It's, it's, it's tough for everyone. Probably. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it's interesting and it's, and it's rising quickly. Like, I think it was only like 10,000 back in 2010 or whenever, wherever this data is coming from. But all, What, the average parent contribution? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's sort of, it's lifted very quickly in a very short time. Why don't we just take a quick break here and then we're going to come back and talk inflation data and what's happening in the US. So we'll be right back after these messages. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. And don't forget, you can, of course, always send us your email, cve at equitymates.com or head over to the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. And thanks once again to our good friends over at Equitymates for their support on the podcast. You guys are awesome. If you haven't heard their podcast, Get Started Investing or Equitymates Investing Podcast. Couldn't be simpler. Right. Thomas, we're talking inflation. Yeah, we are. What's happening in inflation? Oh, it was another miss. We missed. We missed. We, well, we came in. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it is good. It, it was surprising. We came. It, inflation came in under expectations. It was soft in the March quarter. Yeah, just run, yeah, running, running soft. We yeah, headline CPI at one point one percent. So that's very soft. Remember, our sort of the RBA's target band is two to three percent. Hmm. That's what they're gunning for. So headline CPI at one point one. Uh, trim mean, I think, was one point one as well. Trim mean. Some of our listeners, Thomas, not me, some of our <laughs> listeners might be wondering what you're talking about when you say trim mean. So there's sort of these these lumpy uh, items in the CPI that tend to jump around a lot or um, 
are a bit messy, like energy prices. So the the RBA, when they're looking at their their target band, they try to look through the noisy items and just look at like what what they call underlying inflation, like kind of like the right. core inflation. Um, and that and the ABS measure we get is trimmed mean or weighted mean, weighted median. Right. Sorry, and they're just different ways of cutting up the numbers. Ah, oh, weighted median, right? <laughs> get out of here. Sorry. <laughs> Should have said that. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Got confused. I said weighted mean. Man, sorry, yeah, I meant weighted median. Yeah. Oh, so apologies, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so 1.1% trim mean. So, yeah, soft, much lower. And, and remember, so the RBA is now saying that they're not, they're not going to even think about raising interest rates until they see actual inflation in the 2 to 3% target band. That's... Previously, they're saying once the outlook for the forecasted inflation was heading back to the target band, that's when they'd start raising rates. So they'd raise rates in anticipation of getting back there. Now they're saying they're going to wait until they see actual inflation in the target band. Um, But at 1.1%, we're we're still way undershooting that target. And that means any interest rates are going nowhere in the the near future. Right. That's interesting. So because there was a lot of talk of fixing and kind of, you know, the fixed interest rates being low and they're lower than you know um, than the variable, and a lot of people thinking about fixing at the moment, um, you know myself included. And so you're saying then potentially there's that opportunity hasn't passed us by, you know, because some lenders started putting their their interest rates up already, haven't they? They have, they have. Yeah, this, this, we're seeing a few fixed rates nudge higher. I mean, you got to remember that fixed rates have been so cheap recently because of the RBA's term funding facility, which is sort of yes. been. Yep, you remember that one. I do remember that one. Yeah, yep. so that's been pushing pushing money into the market for fixed rates, and that's why rates have been low. So we're still we're still waiting for a guide from the RBA on what they're going to do with the term funding facility. Well, most people I was reading were expecting it to wind up in June. Now that's some, I'm hearing a few more voices saying that they might continue. But if it does wind up in June, then I, I would expect fixed rates to come back in line with variable rates. Or, you know, there's such a wide okay. differential right now between the two. Like it's never normally mm. that big. But that, so that's sort of, that should be in our thinking around fixed rates. Um, but yeah, but yeah. in terms of like the official cash rate, that's not, that's not going anywhere anytime soon. And so is that, we probably have covered this, in the past but so that's then in turn a bit bullish for shares if money's still so cheap confidence is high everything everyone's feeling good yeah i mean yeah definitely definitely you sort of your growth stocks typically are interest rate sensitive more so than value stocks remember the bond quake that happened a few months ago Oh, we didn't give it a name, did we? Yeah. Was it a was that really is that what they called it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sent tremors through the market. We don't need names for everything. It's, yeah, we do need we need memes because otherwise it's just oh, it's, it's boring. <laughs> we get even economists get bored talking about it. So we've got to come up with names for it. Okay. Bond quake. Mm. Yeah, very good. Well, mm. Okay. Yeah, so that, right. that that was all triggered by fears that inflation was coming in higher than expected and interest rates would go would normalise quicker than expected. Um, so that's why it's, it's interesting that we're not seeing this in the headline data yet. It's also interesting because we're getting a lot of um, signals that there is price pressure in the system. Commodity prices are super high. Freight and shipping rates are high. 
semiconductors are in short supply wages costs seem to be building so we yeah. we're sort of hearing we're hearing a lot of noise but it just, there just wasn't anything in the data in the march quarter so whether it's just hasn't it's just not there yet i don't know mm. but yeah so it was surprising like it, it did come in under what people under what economists were expecting interesting and what and what in your opinion, what do you think it means for Dogecoin? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. It's just hard to know. It depends on whether you think Dogecoin is a medium of exchange or whether you think it's a store of value. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I think Doge, <clears throat> Elon Musk is going to pay for his next rocket ship with Dogecoin, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Um, Doge One is going to the moon. All right. So. That's you know that's Australian inflation data. Um, in the US, we were looking at employment data, mm. and they missed their target again. So there's misses all around. Big miss there. Big miss. In, oh, we're talking about expectations here. So we get these sort of um, Bloomberg and the sort of the new news aggregators will go around and survey economists and say, "What do you think um, it's going to happen with employment?" And they all report, and then the average of that gets is then called expectation. So then the data comes in under or, or over expectations. So just based right, on what you. you know, re- really, like it's probably like fifty or sixty economists in the US case, what they reckon is going to happen with employment. But expectations were for a one million gain, one million jobs to be added in the month. In the end, we got just two hundred thousand. Whoa! So it was a huge miss. Yeah. It's a big miss. Big miss. Big miss. Yeah, and one one million would have been very strong, and but that was that was the feeling like you had the the job shedding during COVID, the, but the recovery is fully underway, so they're expecting a big jobs number, and yeah, massive miss. So yeah, well undershot on that one. What are they? What are they I'm thinking back to our introductory series and in, uh, economics? If you haven't listened to it, go back and tune into season one. What do they consider full unemployment? Uh, or sorry, full employment in. Uh, the US is it different to sort of what they consider full employment here? Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I'm I'm not sure what they, what they yeah what they say. And <laughs> I think it's also shifting as well. Like I think that they're talking about it lower as well. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know because they've got like what have they got like 400 million people in the US. If if they got a, if they got a million new jobs, then yeah. But we're talking like full employment is really an unemployment rate story. So if we think about full employment being typically 5% unemployment. That's sort of how we measure. Mm. That's historically how we've done it. We're now th- saying it might be more like 45 to 4% in the Australian Maybe case. Maybe how you do it. I, I like to count. <laughs> That's just the count, number of people. Count how many? <laughs> number of people. The, 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 the interesting story with this jobs data is that while employment came in way under expectations, un- the unemployment rate was flat and that was on the back of a lower participation rate. So when you're participating, you're either working or looking for work. Um, yeah. So it's not including people who are just at, just not looking and just not interested in the jobs market at all. Um, the participation rate fell. And so that, and that was an interesting story and people like wondering why that is. One of the mm. theories I've, I've heard, and I don't know how much weight to give this, but the reason is that right now people are much more interested in playing the markets with particularly uh-huh. playing crypto with their stimulus checks rather yes. than getting into a job which is paying you know almost nothing they can get into dogecoin and go to the moon and they're like well i could well, why work exactly <laughs> working's for suckers yeah 
And that's hard to argue with with what you know with, if you got in early enough. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean. Um, but uh, not definitely not definitely not financial advice. <laughs> Quit your job and stick it in Dogecoin. <laughs> Because there are some horror stories out there. You and I, you sent me a, a link the other day with someone who was like, I don't know what to tell my wife. I've invested our life savings in Dogecoin when it was at um, whatever it was, 50 cents, and now it's at 10 cents. And I don't know what. I, but the a great irony in that was that that was in a Reddit forum. At the same place he got the initial <laughs> advice to put it all in Dogecoin, he was now back seeking seeking advice on what to do about his dire financial situation. Yeah, yeah. I talked to my um, financial planner about it and, and he just said, hodl, bro. He's a smart yeah. man, your financial advisor. Yeah. Well, finally, um, still in the US and um, there is a bit of a, can I call it a supply shock mm. going through uh, the US at the moment with gas prices rising uh, about one and a half percent, and the reason is that um, there was a massive cyber attack on one of the the shipping the gas pipeline companies in the US, and it's pretty much taken out. I'm just looking at a map here, like just this huge stretch uh, of the east coast of the states, and that's pushing gas prices through the roof. So Colonial Pipeline was hit by a ransomware attack, and details are pretty pretty light on because. Because that's kind of the nature of ransomware attacks. I think they don't really talk about exactly what's going on until it's kind of fixed. So they're now saying, um, uh, yeah, right. You know, they're kind of just giving days to recovery, sort of thing. But already they're starting to talk about how else they can shift gasoline around the country. And so, really, yeah, they're oh, like, I think a days to recovery. Like, what are we talking like? Oh, like up to ten. Wow. They're obviously just not going to pay the ransom. Is that the the strategy well who knows they're in they're in negotiation so mm. there's three three current possible scenarios one is fewer than five days one is six to ten days and one is more than ten days <laughs> <laughs> so all bases covered but pretty pretty full on so yeah i mean that's obviously going to push up the price of gas in america mm. um they're talking now about bringing in ships to ah. to, to you know tankers to move the fuel around because it's kind of, you know, around the coast or whatever. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but the problem they got now is they don't have enough US-owned ships and they've got these, I don't know, what do you call them, like laws or, or whatever they are, that you're only allowed to ship between US ports using US-owned ships. Wow. Sorry if I am if I got that wrong, but I'm sure I read that somewhere. Hmm. Um, Weird. So there's there's a lot of complexity anyway around using ships to move the, move the oil around. Yeah, there's more and more of these ransomware attacks going on. Like, I don't know if you did you read the article about the, uh, it was at the Washington D.C. Police Department. No. So they got they got ransomware and like all their files got locked, as well as the the ransomware gang stole the files. They started saying, "We're going to send this information to your informants, like to the gangs." Oh, right. Who were the gangs that where the informants had infiltrated? Whoa! And so they were like deep undercover in like these gangs. Whoa! And the ransomware dudes were like, "We're going to tell the gangs who your informants are." Whoa! Unless you give us the money. Just crazy scenes. So wow, it seems to be happening more and more now. Where they're not just about kind of. It used to be ransomware was like we'd encrypt your files, so they'd break in. And they'd kind of lock your files in a box, so to speak, uh-huh. in a digital box. 
And then they'd say, if you want the key for the box to get all your files, yeah, you got to give us, you got to give us some money, and we'll give you the key. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't always foolproof because the people that wrote the that wrote the the ransomware software, you know, quality control wasn't high on the agenda, <laughs> and so companies would go, all right, we'll pay for the key. Just give us the key. <laughs> they'd give them the key and they go, oh, the key doesn't work. <laughs> and the ransomware gangs are like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> this is bad for business. Because these ransomware gangs are like, they're full-on businesses now. They've got like call centers. They've what? got support staff. Yeah, yeah, what? definitely. You can go like 24 by 7 support any time of the day or night. They'll, they'll take you. They'll support you in getting your, getting your files unransomed. What? But, but, but like they're offshore or something like. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Where are they? Where are they? Op- where, but where are they operating out of? Through the dark web. We don't know. The, we don't know their exact location. Wow. So you you have they provide you with a means to interact with them, to negotiate with them. Um, so they did that, but now they're kind of shifting their business model to more stealing information. So mm-hmm. rather than locking it, they're they're stealing info like informant data. Or like, I don't know, you know, there was one on Apple recently where they stole like a bunch of their schematic diagrams or whatever it is for the, for the latest Apple devices. And they're like, if you don't give us the money, then we'll release this information. Wow. In fact, there was another one I read where, and we're kind of off topic here, but um, there was another one where apparently one of the tactics that are now being employed by these ransomware gangs is, it's not really a tactic in terms of ransom, but... You can sign up to a service through them and they'll tell you the company that they've attacked before it becomes public so that you can short the share price. Wow. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> Which <laughs> it's just insane what's what's happening and the different but yeah, I mean so it's an evolving space, wow. obviously. You know, it's still pretty new. But mind blowing. So yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, it kind of is. I mean the 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 DC one was interesting, the Washington one, because they the ransomware guys had like this change of heart as well. They were just like, ah, oh, we're out. They they kind of they announced this thing afterwards, kind of going, yeah, we didn't mean to, because when you crypto the police, <laughs> you bring a lot of attention for a start. Obviously, you know the FBI gets involved pretty quickly, mm. CIA, whoever else. But I think also they were like, oh, we actually did some pretty, we caused some pretty serious like life-threatening situations and we don't really feel great about that like they i think they had you know an epiphany almost and so they they published some stuff shortly after going that's it we're out we're out of the game wow we're out of the uh encrypting files game we're just going to focus on extortion and and like <laughs> oh no so they're not not out of ransomware altogether they're just like <laughs> no no they're out of the encrypting files game because they realized that that that's actually that can take systems offline, whereas they can just they can steal people's data and just grab, and extort them over time. Wow! So they're running an ethical screen on <laughs> there. <laughs> ethical, <laughs> ethical, oh, yeah. Wow. Ransoming. We went off on a bit of a tangent there, but yeah. So yeah, gas pipeline, ga- gas prices are, are going to shoot up. Oh. I don't know whether that's going. Is that going to affect Australia? I don't. I feel like it isn't because it's not oil prices. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's an interconnected global economy. Energy prices mm. rising anywhere pushes them up everywhere, I think, to some degree. Energy prices were the only, one of the only things that were strong in the March quarter CPI here. Um, transport costs were up on the back of energy prices. So maybe that keeps rolling on. But I wouldn't expect it to be huge. Just, I mean, 10 days, like you, you like it's like the Suez Canal story. Like you get a, things jump up for a bit, but as soon as it gets resolved, it sort of readjusts pretty quickly, you'd have to think. 
But still, 10 yeah. days is significant. Well, there's three options. There's fewer than five days, <laughs> six to 10 days, or more than 10 days. Yeah, right. So more than 10 days could be an issue if mm. more than 10 days is 390. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's leave it there. I think we kind of might have gone over time, um, but thankfully we don't actually have a fixed time. Mm. So uh, thank you once again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Uh, as I mentioned, you can email us cve at equitymates.com or hit up the website equitymates.com forward slash cve. Uh, don't forget to check out all the other great podcasts from Equity Mates Media. There's Get Started Investing, as I mentioned, Equity Mates Investing Podcast, Meet, Pay, Love, You're in Good Company, Thomas, you've been good company again tonight. Mm, no, thank you. Say Happy that. budget, everyone. Happy budget. <laughs> yes, let's never speak of it again. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.